1: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another Spurs show. It's Theo Dini here in North London, uh, feeling quite chipper, as I imagine most Spurs fans are. We'll find out soon enough because I've got three big Spurs fans with me. I've got, welcome back, Adam Powley. Hi there, Theo. Good
2: to see you. How are you doing? Yeah,
1: very well, thank you. Very well. Good. Welcome back also, Hannah Barlow.
3: Hi, everyone. Good to be back.
1: How are you, Hannah?
3: I'm well, happy to be among such a steam company.
1: <laughs> Good. And making her debut, Chris Ross from the Proud Whites. Good evening, Chris.
0: Hello, Theo. Hello, everyone. It's really great to be here. I did say yesterday on Twitter this is one of my favorite Spurs pods that I wasn't just blowing smoke into places. I really do like listening to this. So thank you for having me.
1: Well, that is lovely to hear. Thank you ever so much for saying so. And and you're very welcome. And in fact, I do feel because sometimes I forget to do this. Perhaps before we talk about our glorious victory in the Northeast, other issues and forthcoming fixtures, I might start with you, Chris, and ask you the obligatory Spurs show question for all debutants. Mm-hmm. Can you remember your first? game watching the mighty spurs
0: i absolutely can i'm going to show my age now it was april 1980 i was probably about six i went with my uncle who had a season ticket with uh, with loads of his mates and one of them couldn't go so i went and uh, the excitement was palpable and that feeling i got as i walked up the stairs and saw the pitch that little crackle that you that i got i still get it and I absolutely loved it. We won 3-0, we'd be Everton 3-0 and I did that thing that you did in the car when you were coming home from a Spurs match in the 80s where I wound down the window, you know, it was actually a handle. I jammed my scarf into the window and closed, wound it back up again and the Spurs scarf flew all the way back from Tottenham to Southgate because that's, as I was telling Adam earlier, that's why I grew up where I grew up and I have very fond memories of that game and of course the team in 1980 was full of but like amazing players that we still talk about today.
1: Yeah. I mean, you presumably saw Hoddle and Ardiles and Ricky Villier that day. And if it was, would it have been, uh, if it was the autumn of 1980, you might have seen Crooks and Archibald as well. I don't think it was April. Oh, it was April. It so was the April. End, end of the previous season. So yeah, pre, pre-Crooks and Archibald, but you had that sublime midfield. To feast your eyes on. No wonder you were hooked.
0: Chris Hewton's first season as well, and I always liked him. And I wonder if it's because we were, I can't remember where we were, but we were obviously down by the side of the pitch. Right. But I imagine he was sort of marauding.
1: Yeah, up the left, yeah. Yeah, so,
0: yeah, I was yeah. hooked.
1: Good. Well, pleased to hear it. And here you are now. Who'd have thought it, eh? We we're are all, we're all hooked. And here we are, paying butt. On a day like this, it's, I mean, we've got, God knows, I've been on a few Spurs shows and they're not always uh, not always the happiest uh, occasions. But today we are quite happy because uh, Spurs won 3-2 on uh, Sunday up at Newcastle. I went, I was actually there. And before that, we won, of course, in the, in the league. So... We're on a bit of a strange run here in this bizarre, very, very kind of uh extreme roller coaster season. Win three lose three, win three, lose three kind of season. Really crazy. Adam, did you watch
2: the game? I did. Yeah. I watched it from afar and um, fair play to you and, and everyone else that made the long old hole to get up there for that game. Uh not just to get to Newcastle, but the then the, the ascent to base camp of everyone yeah. else like to get up to the top tier as well. So yeah. glad you all made it back in one piece.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um
2: What did you make of it? Fantastic. I thought it was really good. It was um, a 3-2 thrashing, really. Uh, We should have won by a much greater margin. I think the scoreline really, really did flatter them. Uh, I I can't deny that I laughed when they scored after 90 seconds because it was just so predictable. It was that that kind of brings to mind, you know, like with Only Fools and Horses, with uh, Del Boy and, and uh, Trigger and him telling him to play it cool before he th- falls through the <laughs> the bar. Yeah. Uh, so it, it had its comic moments. But I think after about that 10 minutes, that kind of like shaky 10 minutes, when Spurs finally realised that, hang on, this lot, they're not up to much and actually started to pass the ball and put it around a bit. And then the game was set from then. I thought we absolutely dominated. Uh Best performance of the season. Hard to tell because it is Newcastle and they are poor. They're not a good team. But look, um, things work much better. Three goals could have been more and just really good all-round display and a really enjoyable win.
1: Hannah, did you think it was as much about how bad Newcastle were or or did you see real real um, causes for optimism in that performance?
3: Yeah, I, I did actually because I thought it was the first time we really saw... Um, Kane son Mora Oijsberg and Norm Bele working together so smoothly it was just so nice to see that delivery coming in from the midfielders into those front three and that those link ups those passing it just was working really really well so i thought that was that was really positive i think the question for me is um the fact the scoreline was 3-2 and the fact it didn't reflect how strong we were, should that be a concern? Because um, there were more chances. We did have, you know, a crazy amount of possession. Um, so why, you know, why wasn't it more? And why at the end of the game are we all kind of bellies flustering, thinking, <laughs> are they going to get a late goal back? Are we going to do a Spursy? So I think, um, yeah, super positive, super positive. But I'm always a, a kind of cautious... Positive and 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 looking for those things of you know what could have been better as as well yeah. as um, what of went course.
1: well. Well, you're a Spurs fan, after all. You can't be completely positive. I mean, I, I must say that I think this lineup, this formation, and this lineup to me makes absolute sense. Not just because we got two results on the bounce, but I mean, I've been saying for ages. I mean, I say a lot of things. Many of them are stupid, but this one I feel vindicated. Uh, where I've been saying for ages, why on earth did successive managers try to play Ndombele as part of what the modern football fan calls the double pivot as a defensive midfielder and, and you know, to, to be a holder, essentially, for other... When you can see all of his strengths are to do with creativity and attacking. And now he's played a couple of games in that role and, and he's really causing problems for the opposition. And he played 90 minutes, of course, on Sunday. Chris, do you think, um, are you are you encouraged by that, by the personnel playing in the positions they're playing with, with actually Skip and Hoybier basically anchoring the midfield and then Ndobelay further forward? Do you think that might have be been making the difference?
0: I think so. Um, you know, you can't underestimate playing people in the right position. Yeah. I know it sounds daft, but you know, there was one game this season where Kane was out on the wing and Sonny was in the middle and it was like, that's not, switch them quick mm, mm. because you know let's play to the strengths i think it's like you know tiger woods i've know anything about golf right there's a thing that yeah. tiger woods is really good at is it driving i don't know is it driving so he would spend yeah. all his time focusing on the thing that he's good at and he worked a little bit on the other things but he knew if he was going to be world-class he was going to do the thing that he was really good at so yeah. let's do the same and Endon on is a number 10 right yeah, and yeah. oliver skip and Hoybier, you know oliver skip is clearly going to learn a load of things from Hoybier. and Hoybier's yeah. numbers are better than skip by all accounts but you can see that they're going to have a really great understanding there and they're not just cloggers they can both pass the ball we've seen hoi score this season so there's movement there as well they're great athletes so you know i'm encouraged by that the only thing that i would i'm not a lucas mora fan Mm. i'm not a lucas mora fan for political reasons but also just because i think he runs into cul-de-sacs um Mm. And, you know, the decision-making isn't always great. So I'd like to see Stevie in that position when he's back fit. And that's where I'd have that, you know, you know that sort of front three that Hannah's been talking about. But, yeah, definitely sort of reasons to be cheerful. The most one-sided second half I've ever seen that we've lost. We lost that second yeah. half 1-0 if you look at it that way. And, like, considering what we, you know, we hit the bar, there were so many chances. And sort of like Hannah, but I'm just like, I don't really care. Mm-hmm. like we made all those chances we won let's just move let's just move on to the whatever the next thing is and like adam said at the beginning that first goal you know and sky were all over themselves you know they've been advertising like like mad you know their their documentary about newcastle in the 90s and so they were really pushing that and then you know they scored that goal and they were like oh it's just like keith gillespie playing a ball to les ferdinand and <laughs> it's like the other was like oh that's so tiresome and then few, yeah. Yeah, it was it was a good move but that they didn't have anything else in that game so yeah. you know we should have put them to the sword but yeah. it was good that we did and that you know and kane's goal was you know the, the team goal was amazing yeah. and obviously that was my favorite goal but you know kane's that's a really hard thing to do like i play football very or i once played football very badly And actually being able to do that is really quite something. And, I, you know, I hope that it's him on the ascendancy now, because regardless of what we say about him, he's a really important, you know, what people think about him and all the things that happened, whatever, it's really important for us. And he's a real talisman for the team. You know that when he plays well, the team will play well. Absolutely. Let's push on from it.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you look at that front four just objectively, and you look at the amount of caps they've got between them, the front three have got a lot of you know a proper seasoned international footballers. All right, Lucas isn't in the team at the moment in Brazil, but they are serious, high-profile, proper proper footballers. And Dombalay is you know is a fifty-five million pound player and starting to show glimpses of, of of justifying that. And you suddenly think actually that that front four, if they actually play to their potential. They could be very good. It's interesting about Lucas because I'm slightly ambivalent about Lucas. But look at the cover we've got, Adam. We've got, if we wanted to change those the attacking players, we've got Brian Hill, who is already a cult hero in Spain. We've got um, Bergwijn, who I think is still still young. He's got loads of bags and bags of potential. You look at... um, lucelso Celso is a, an absolutely outstanding number 10 for Argentina. Chris is shaking her head. I don't get
0: him. I don't understand him, Lo Celso. Yeah, but I, I,
1: I know. And we've all said that for some time. But but when he plays for Argentina alongside Messi and everything, he is at, he's a proper playmaker. And again, has he had a chance there? And has got his chance there. He's suddenly starting to shine. You put Lo Celso there, maybe you alternate them. Or they could, just having them top class. Again, he's a top class, high profile international footballer. So... You know, to have that him as cover, to have those two contesting that position. I mean, Adam, where do you do you think uh, suddenly the squad starts to look? I mean, we haven't got any injuries at the moment; that's the great thing. But do you think it suddenly starts to look quite deep? I
2: think it does. I think that's because it was probably overstated by uh, a certain individual whose name I won't mention, <laughs> and has cleared off finally. Uh, was running down the quality of the squad, yeah. and just sort of you know criticizing the players, and and I think kind of like lowering expectations about what they were capable of. I'm not saying that the squad is the finished article by any means, but it's, it maybe isn't as good as some of us think like, collectively, but it certainly isn't as poor as some of us think uh, as a collective unit. There's some really, really good players in there. The, I'm not convinced by LaCelso, but, but what he's got to, kind of sort of like to defend him is that he's just played fits and starts football for Spurs over the last three years, whatever it is, since he arrived. Yeah. Uh, He's barely got a run in the team. He's played under three managers now. Uh, He's been injured. He's been called away. And I think Mm. the same applies to a certain extent with Ndombele as well. This Mm. is, is, (laughs) dare I say, the painful rebuild. Mm. So um, painful rebuilds don't happen overnight. It's going to, by definition, it's going to take a bit of time. I don't know if we've got the players that will, will bring us back to that level that we were at, kind of four or five years ago, three or four years ago. I don't know if we've got the manager to do. To be honest, right, mm. I'm, I'm kind of like juries out on that one. Mm. Um, but there are some promising signs, and I think we just need to be patient and give this a bit of time. There's with the type of team I think where we're going to go on runs of winning games and looking really good, and then there's going to be a bit of a crash and burn, and we're going to look awful, and um, that's going to be the story of the season. I think we just all need to to kind of sort of like calm down a little bit and then see how the p- season pans out over the course of the season. Yeah.
0: You've got Delhi as well, Theo. I'm a Dell evangelist. Oh, yes. really? I, I still oh, really? He, I don't think he's had enough. He hasn't had, a, he hasn't had a run since he who shall not be named. Yeah. Not really. Because yeah. Yeah. At, at the beginning of the season, you know, it was a funny old start and all the rest of it. But given, you know, how we played at the weekend, there isn't any space for him at the moment. No, no. Um, but I still think that he's a great option because there's no footballer like him in the country. Well,
1: hopefully, uh, I, I mean, no, I must admit, I, I've become completely exasperated with Delhi. But of course, I'd be the most, I'd be as delighted as anyone else if he turned it around and became the old Delhi again. And maybe the way to get him, maybe, maybe the thing would be to make him, which which they seem to have been doing, is to make him a. Uh, uh, a regular starter in Europe and see if he can get back that way. But to me, frankly, from my point of view, I, I haven't seen him with his finger out for a long time. But we'll see. We'll see. Let's see how motivated he is and whether he can get back to that. Just talking about uh, new club, one of the things that struck me when I was up there, yeah, we've had all the bloody Sky people absolutely, you know, fawning all over this idea of the new ownership. We had Jamie Redknapp rather bizarrely. I mean, I didn't watch it, obviously, because I was up there saying, oh, you know, people, fans, do not they're not really bothered about who owns the club. Which is the most bizarre thing to say, considering they've spent the last 10 years complaining about who owns the club. And all fans are always, nearly always agitated to some extent or another about who owns their club. Because after all, the, the, the club's, the true ownership of any club is its fans because of the fans, the only people who are never going to go away, you know. I, um, I mean, the trouble with it's not really our issue, thankfully. Who owns Newcastle? But it is to some extent. And what I noticed up there was that there were some protests up there about um, the Saudi regime, and one of them, I'm proud to say, came from from Tottenham Hotspur, and it was a proud uh, Lily White's uh, protest. Perhaps you could tell us a bit about that, Chris?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, it's it's complicated. I get it, but you know, having a an oppressive regime running a football club, you know, we talk about football clubs as important community assets and they are important community assets and they mean something to us and they mean something where they are and all the rest of it. And to have a regime that oppresses and brutalises the LGBTQ plus community, and that's before we've even thought about um, what it's like to be a woman in Saudi Arabia, what it must have been like for Jamal Khashoggi's family to watch people... You know, jumping up and down with flags and with you know the slightly sort of racist gesture of like having tea towels on their heads as well. It must have been it must have been awful. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I, I understand. You know, the 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 you know PIF are invested in Disney and Netflix, and we all watch Disney and Netflix. But as I say, our football clubs are our community assets, and actually, there are real people's lives. So. I don't know if you saw um, Adam Crafton's piece in The Athletic. Um, I won't go into it in, in great, great amount of detail, but he spoke to dozens of LGBTQ plus Saudis. And this matters to them because actually what they're saying now is maybe this will help shine a light on what life is like for them on a daily basis. And imagine, you know, if you're Adam, I don't know Adam very well. I've spoken to him a bit in this last week and you're trying to explain to um, to the to LGBTQ+ plus Saudis, you're trying to say to them, well, it's really hard for Newcastle fans because you know it's been d- tough for them under Mike Ashley, to mm. people who were brutalised and impressed on a daily yeah. basis. Now, the the person that he heard about a lot throughout all of his conversations was a guy called Sahil Al Jamil, and Sahil was um, he's a 25 year old, he's a sort of a social media influencer, he's got about 100,000 followers on Twitter, and um, he is reported to be two years into a prison sentence and a political prison for posing shirtless in a photograph on Twitter. And the charge sheets include cyber crimes, homosexuality, imitating a woman. So just think about just think about that for a second. So it's a feminine guy, but imitating a woman is a crime that can put you in prison. Mm. Um, disobedience, public indecency, et cetera. And he's a real icon for LGBTQ plus people in Saudi Arabia. And he's alleged to have received 800 lashes. And as I say, he's in a political prison, which is worse than a a normal prison. And so a lot of the LGBTQ plus Saudis were saying, we want you to kind of shine a light on Suhail being in prison. So one of the things that we did, the thing that you saw, when you were up there, was um, one of our members, Russell, made a little video outside, uh, you know, a couple of our members as well, um, had those, you know, like those signs you get that sort of say, Delhi, can I have your shirt, please? Mm. Saying Just saying free Sahail. And we just did a little social media thing. And we're yeah. hoping that Palace will carry on next week and then yeah. the team after that, et cetera. Because if we can, you know, we've, we're talking about it here, to think about that. And look, I get it. I get, I get it. You know, like the government sells bombs to... um
1: Saudi Arabia. Saudi
0: Arabia, and they're bombing Yemen with them. Yeah. Right. And we've got a strategic, de- you know, there's a strategic defense alliance and all the rest of it. But we have to, we can't just go, oh, well, it's all terrible. So I'm, we're going to sit on our hands. If there are small things that we can do that include something like this, which is a very human story, that we might be able to help get this young man out of prison or at least shine a light on it, then I'm down for that. So, yeah, yeah. hashtag free Sahil, kind of talk about it on social media.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Hashtag free Sahil. How do you know how do you spell Sahil?
0: S-U-H-A-I-L. If you look on the um I've pinned the um the video that Russell made on uh, the Prad L- White's social media, which is at Spurs L G B T. So have Great. a look at that if you like.
1: And Russell's Roger that on uh
0: Twitter, he isn't is he? Indeed, yeah. yeah, yeah.
3: Just just okay. to say I mean kudos to you, Chris, really, for 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 doing this because This type of thing is entrenched and normalised a lot of the time in football. Um, The the next World Cup is in Qatar. Mm. Um, It's not the only incident. It's not the only thing. Um, And I think it is up to fans, players, communities to raise the noise around these things when we don't like it. And I think, sadly... In football, as we've seen with the Super League and and those plans that were brought forward, too many decisions are made just with money in mind and not enough decisions are being made with ethics, values, morals, etc. And what we can do as the fans and the players have done this as well is say, actually, the culture, the club that we want to build is about combining the money and the morals <laughs> and some clubs do it well, right? Um, because we know clubs like Man City um, who have taken financial decisions and pursued that route, their fans are still not happy, even though they're playing really good football and winning stuff because they feel undermined by certain decisions, et cetera. So I think the best clubs, the best football is when decisions are taken that are about investment, but
1: they're also about values, culture,
3: ethics, etc. cetera. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I,
1: yeah, yeah. I mean, I like that idea that you said right at the beginning, because it's this terrible dilemma. You, call, If you're a Newcastle fan, a Newcastle fan I know who texted me last week and said, what do you think? Uh, he said, I don't know what to think. And I was thinking, "What well, if it was us, what would we do? I like the idea of, because they're paralysed. Like, on the one hand, oh, my God, we're going to buy all these players and we've been waiting for this. And on the other hand, Jesus, can I, can I even enjoy that even at all with a clear conscience. But I like the idea that you said, Chris, to use it as an opportunity to help, you know, use it as a vehicle because suddenly all this attention is going to be on there. And if you can get in front of cameras and use football as a and maybe that's the way to play the World Cup as well. I mean, you it's know, in the World problem. Cup, we're all compromised with the World Cup as well, but maybe there are players. I know there are players. I'm just making... I've just had a, a guy called Musa akwanga on my other podcast, Live Goals, this week. He was a fa- fantastic bloke and he chose a goal by Leon Goretzka, who the, s- scored against Hungary, a last-minute equaliser in the last World Cup. And, you know, in the crowd were all those fascist hung- Hungarian supporters. And he went over to them and did the... He did the heart sign to them after he'd equalised. You know, and amplified it later on um, social media. And I just thought... That's great. That's actually using using it because you're not saying to anyone look we can't play football because all these nasty people are behind the scenes. We'll play football but we'll make sure we use it to highlight things that are going on behind the scenes, you know. I think that maybe that's the way forward.
0: Well, that's exactly what, that's basically the, what we do in the Proud Lily Whites. I mean, there's something that's very important about bringing LGBTQ plus fans together to, you know, create a kind of a, a sort of safe and welcoming space. But for, but for me, from a sort of a campaigning perspective, it's all about using football as a lightning rod to make, mm. to make change. Right. And, you know, it's our national game. It's how we learn to work, play and celebrate together as children, that feeling that we all get That, you know, that electric feeling that we're talking about, just when you're just rising off your seat, just as the ball's flying through the air, don't want to deny that to anybody. And so we should all be involved, but you can also use it as the national game to, like, have these important conversations. And we've seen, you know, I think Gareth Southgate has been a really excellent proponent of that. Yes. You know, during the Euros, it's exactly what he did. Yeah. We've got that leadership now in the game. So there's some, you know, there are exciting things we could do, but it is complicated because... If it was at Spurs, I'm not sure I would be able to actually go.
1: Yeah. There's
0: something also about handing over, you know, and I know we're compromised all the time, but handing over your money to a regime that brutalizes and oppresses people, I would find that really difficult.
1: Yeah. Well, let's take a break. It's humid, sweaty, and sticky. Summer can be really uncomfortable.
2: But we're actually talking about your mattress. Don't worry, though. Nectar's Nectar Tech cooling technology helps you sleep cool on hot summer nights. Plus, every mattress includes a one-year trial, forever warranty, and free shipping. With $200 off, prices start at only $399. And get $499 of premium accessories, including pillows, sheets, and a mattress protector this summer. So chill out and visit NectarSleep.com.
1: And welcome back. Uh, before we continue, we're going to talk about upcoming games with uh, Vitesse Arnhem and West Ham United. <laughs> Boo! Uh, but before we do that, uh, I just wanted to remind you that for premium content, including a daily news show, ex-player interviews and original documentary series on Spurs, go to Spurs uh, patreon.com forward slash Spurs show and support our show in the process. Uh, you can get the Spurs Show live uh, season tickets that gets you into our monthly live events at season.spursshow.net. Uh, you can sign up for this season. We had a brilliant one recently with Michael Dawson. we got com- one coming up on Tuesday, September, November. Uh, Tuesday, September, November, it says here. he's not done. his Tuesday, November the 2nd with Nutty Naylor, who's got a new book coming out. And on the 6th of December, we're super excited about our Christmas show. We always do a great Christmas show, usually at the 100 Club. It's at the 100 Club this year, the iconic Oxford Street venue. And this year, we've got Martin Chivers, Alan Mullery, Pat Jennings, John Pratt, Steve Perriman and Phil Beale to commemorate the 50th anniversary of us becoming the first British club to win two major European trophies. And amazingly, Mike Lee, wow. He somehow has unearthed the never-before-seen second-leg footage against AC Milan in the semi-final, which will be showing on the night, and the players won't have seen it before either. He's he's somehow, I don't know how he's done it. He's like Sherlock Holmes. He's identified an archivist somewhere in deepest Italy, and he's got hold of this footage. There's also music on the night, a raffle, some great Spurs books for you to buy and get signed. And uh, for all the ticket pa- packages, which include, by the way, pre-show meet and greet and dinner with them, all those guys in a private Soho dining room. That makes it sound a bit seedy. It's not seedy. It's just all about good food uh, and meeting and meeting our heroes. You can go to xmas.spursshow.net. And also, I should remind you, please follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. And please leave us a nice review on iTunes if you are so inclined. Next week, we've got, I think it's me again, and I've got Willie Morgan, the original voice of White Hart Lane and Chris Cowley. Now, that's the housekeeping done.
0: I once, just for, just for jokes, I once interviewed John Pratt's wife for a job. It was really <laughs> weird. because, like on her CV, there was this uh, thing like how she'd gone to America for a bit. Uh, was like, oh, tell me a little bit about being in America and what that, you know, what that, how your career took you there. She's like, oh, my husband was a footballer. Anyway, it turns out my husband's a footballer. <laughs> um, um, turns out she's John Pratt's wife. I got very excited at the Yeah.
1: Year. Did she get the job, though?
0: You didn't, sadly. Oh, I cannot believe I did like, uh, I liked her very much. I got overruled. Oh, you know, nepotism
1: I was, and favouritism is dead. Being, they
0: thought I was being biased. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> <I got> overruled.
1: <laughs> well, that is a disappointing. well, a sad ending to that lovely story. Never mind. Right, we've got Vitesse Arnhem on Thursday. Adam, you, I'm putting you in the manager's seat. Do you pick a strong side similar to the one that played at Newcastle, or do you think that we're going to get through in this group anyway? I'd rather give game time to the likes of Deli, Winksy, you know, Gill, uh, Rodon, that 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 level. What do you think? Uh, probably the latter,
2: I think. Um, we have got a fairly big squad, and we've got some players that if the team keep playing the way they are and there's some consistency in that, some of them aren't going to get a look in in the league. Um, so I think it's important that a, a club where we are uh, and the kind of status and where we are in, in terms of our progression, that we've got to keep those players happy. Uh, it's very different to sort of sitting on the bench at Manchester City. It's, it's we need to keep them involved. Um, it's look, let's be brutally honest about it. It's, uh, it's a really nice jolly away in Europe. It's a different competition, but it's well down the list of priorities. Um, so I think if we just need to use it, yeah, to to keep kind of sort of some of the players active, fresh, uh, freshen up some of the other ones as well, maybe bring some of the kids through. Um, I think it's that rather than putting out that full strength team and, and risking things like injuries and, tightness and etc cetera, etc. Cetera. We we've, we've got the resources so let, let's manage them well.
0: Dane Scarlett didn't play in the under 23 game today either. So oh, I suggests
1: go. he'll be going. Yeah, maybe maybe they'll start him again because I thought he got a bit of stick last time he started in Europe, but you just think hold on a minute he's a child. I mean this is his first he's starting for the first team. I mean, Harry Kane had to go to seven different loans before he was in any good at all. And actually, when he finally did come back, we all took the piss out of him for about the first six games. And then suddenly, we suddenly looked around and went, oh, bloody hell, wait a minute. So, I mean, the idea he gives Scarlett stick for one start where he did, doesn't score is crazy. I, I like the look of him and I like the I like the, he sounds like he's got a great attitude as well. The only thing I, I would say about Vitesse is we've heard of them, unlike a lot of the teams in this competition. So presumably they're reasonable opposition i'm just looking at the group table we've got four points from two games we should be all right but i suppose what we can do is keep playing a sort of second string and then if things do get sticky with a couple of games to go we can always we can always put the big guns in them they'll probably have the big guns on the bench anyway certainly would for home games uh hannah adam said it you know it's way down the list of priorities but how how stoked would you be if we won this competition
3: yeah stoked i i yeah pretty stoked i think um it's it's got to be a, a a priority really we we you know we're we're in it and we've got to put out full force because people are watching and i do think that confidence plays through both you know competition and league and if we're doing well in one then you know it does transfer through so i think that is important um to pick up on the previous question about you know switching up players, i think the defense we've got to look at that because, personally I don't think that the the starting lineup particularly Royale is is necessarily cutting it really? um and and actually you know we have got younger young talent on the bench like Tanganga and Rodon I know they're not right backs but I would love to see them get a bit more game time because I, I really think that three out of those four I think Reglions are kind of Dead set but uh, uh, those positions feel like they could move around, and I think yeah. the European games are brilliant games to to try these different combinations. Yeah,
1: and and Tanganga can play at right back, even though he's probably not yeah. a natural right back. So you could slip, you could slip him in. You could put Ronda, Rode, Rodon in, and you could put in, you know, I don't know, Sanchez beside him. You could put Davis in at left back, and you? you could. It is it's easily changed. um For me, I don't know. I don't know what you, you what you guys think, but I feel the I like the front six on um, on Sunday. The back four early on, I mean, their opening goal, I thought the whole back four was asleep, but I like Romero. I think he looks top class, which is what we expected him to be. I think those fullbacks are of a type, aren't they? The alternatives are defensive, but those fullbacks are the flying, attacking fullbacks, aren't they? So if we're going to play with, with that brief, then we probably should persevere with them. And Ro- to be fair to Royal, He's only, again, he's another one. He's had a real stop start. It's probably, what's he played, a half a dozen games? I mean, he, I, I thought after a while he looked better on the second, as the game went on, he looked better. I thought he looked good against Villa as well. What, but where are we on uh, dear old Dyer? Where are we on dear old Dyer, Adam?
2: Oh, dear old, dear old Dyer. Um, love the
1: bloke.
2: Uh, you know, he's been one of the mainstays of the club now, seven years he's been here. He's such a lovely character. I mean, look what he did on Sunday when he was, Organising the defibrillator yeah. and everything. I mean, yeah. that's, that's the kind of man he is. You know, yeah. absolute uh, lovely guy. Just the reservations about him as a player. Um, he's He's been better of late and he has had good performances as a centre half, but he needs someone alongside him of good quality. Yeah. I think him and Sanchez don't work together as a pair. Yeah. Uh, they kind of sort of unnerve each other a little bit. I think you know Dyer when he's played in defence at his best is when he's had Toby Out of RL alongside him. But obviously he's gone now, so maybe this is the partnership. Maybe this is what we need to to persevere with. Um, I've, I've must admit I've got my doubts about him as a as a centre half. Um, I think he's limited in that respect but what do I know the manager sees them in training and if the results work and he was good on Sunday along with with a lot of them so stick with it for now I think
1: what about you Chris do you think he's a he's a medium to long term solution or do you think you, you could see Tanganga or Rodon getting in there sooner rather than later in the first team
0: as the song goes I love Eric Dyer and for all the reasons at all for all the reasons that adam just said i can't separate the man from the footballer and i want to see him on the pitch not only for the fact that he was organizing um you know he was organizing the defibrillator for the fact that actually he is a leader on the pitch there aren't many people who kind of want to shout and like take, you know as much as he can take the game by the scruff of the neck and i think i i kind of agree with adam i think there's something about his his um partnership with Romero that might you know because Romero's got legs in a way that Dianne might not have and all of that kind of stuff so and I think there's there's definitely I would say there's definitely something there so I'm up for that the only thing is, is I really like Tanganga and yeah. so I just don't like the thought of having to choose between them yeah um and that's why I'm kind of I understand Royale at, at right back but Jaffa has had a couple had a really couple of good games at the beginning of the season but right back. yeah
1: yeah
0: I guess these are the problems we want to have absolutely I, I want to see Eric Dyer in the, in you know in the first team because I think in terms of you know values based footballers he's really up there you know mm. um I remember I read a thing you know I'm going to sort of you know out myself here I read a thing in the morning called Politico which is all about like um stuff that's going stuff going on at Westminster yeah and there was one morning where um there was it said spotted in the public gallery in a in a debate about the restoration of parliament yeah eric dyer wow i mean that. i don't know why that was
1: <laughs> yeah
0: i mean i bet there's a, there's a there's a story behind it i'm absolutely certain yeah but nonetheless i just like that that was the case yeah yeah you know and he's always wears he always wears rainbow laces always right well actually the, the players that had always been our stalwarts was christian erickson Yan tongan toby alderweireld and eric dyer and right. You know Eric Lamella at one point before he started change his boots, and so you know Eric Dyer is the only one left mm. of that of that cohort, and that sort of means something to me as well. So yeah, now I'm all up for Eric Dyer in the first team, but I do think like Adam, you know, I'm not complete romantic, although I suppose I am. I mean, if you're if you're not a romantic, you wouldn't be a Spurs fan, right? <laughs> um, I like lo- I think he I think being next to Romero suits him.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know as we know from all the years gone by centre-backs need other centre-backs who are going to tell them what to do. I mean, Ledley, we talked about this recently when we had Michael Dawson on, who was a good example of that. He said himself he benefited from playing with Ledley because Ledley, he said that we used to laugh about Ledley, you know, Dawson would just throw himself in and be the blood and guts man and Ledley would be the brains and the sort of Rolls Royce. But Ledley in, Ledley in turn had said when we had him on that he learnt loads from Nabat. And you do need you need somebody who's really the, the, the real finished article who's calm and knows what to do and knows what to tell some the other guy what to do, don't you? So I don't know. It's funny because Dyer is obviously the senior in many respects, the senior member of that partnership with Romero. But Romero looks like the Rolls Royce to me. And then, but the great thing about all this is that we do have cover in all positions. The only one position that really worries me, and it's the, it's been a perennial worry, this position at Tottenham for decades. But it's a worry in other clubs as well. Man United fans moan on about it all the time. Is the defensive midfield because I love Hoybier and Skip. I think they're excellent and I think they're going to get better because Skip gets uh, the more Skip gets Premier League games under his belt and, and Hoybier for that matter. He's but I think um, there's not much cover there because really the only actual cover you can really identify is Winx, who seems to have expired in some way. I mean, do you think he's uh, do you think we'll, we'll ever see Winx in, in a I mean, do you think he's adequate cover, first of all, Hannah?
3: I, I don't and I think we should no, I I don't. I'm not a Wings fan, I'm afraid. Um not anymore. I think um he he's a good he's a good player, he's a decent player, but you know when a time is is up at a club and it just feels like that time. Um so yes, that 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 is a concern. I think um one thing I was just gonna reflect on about Eric Dyer is the word leadership, and you know he's a leader on the pitch and also Hojbjerg is a leader on the pitch and that's why I really like him because I think um you know with with the likes of Toby and Vertonghen going you you start looking around and saying you know who are those vocal players on the pitch who do we have shouting and bossing etc and I think um that's why Hojbjerg as well as his skill and talent is such a a credit and an asset to this team because he is someone that can get people moving, um, and, and, and bossing, bossing the team really. But yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. I think, um, it, it is a, it is a concern. Um, but skip for me is looking better each game. I think he looked great in the Newcastle game and that set up, um, was working really well but yeah of course um if we get an injury then then it's a concern
1: yeah how are you seeing this West Ham game Adam what do you think
2: well it was really interesting contrast to um Sunday just gone um there was a sense that everyone else in the country neutral fans and even fans of clubs who've got no time for Spurs and actively loathe us, wanted us to win that game Mm. Uh, so I think it's going to be uh, back to normal on Sunday, and everyone's <laughs> going to be uh, desperately hoping that West Ham continue their good form and turn us over. Um, look, I, uh, hands up! Like I think West Ham are a really good team. I think they're really well managed. I think they've bought well. I think they're organised really well, and they're really effective. And that's going to be a tough old game. Yeah. And um, so, uh, just, just I think. I always think this about Spurs teams is that we're, we're better when we go on the front foot. Right? Mm-hmm. When we we've got that, you know, our strength lies in attack. So let's utilise that. Defence, attack is the best form of defence, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, just go for it a bit. Uh, if we try and play at KG, like we really kind of sort of do well in being able to contain teams. So let's just play to our strengths. Let's, you know, injuries allowing, fitness allowing. Let's let's maintain the team from Sunday so we like build perhaps on that momentum. Um, but it's going to be a bit of a tight one. I, I think that will be our first um, league draw of the season.
1: Right. I mean, West Ham are tough even when they're not very good. Because, of course, as we all know, it's their cup final. And they we and now the fans are back. It will be that, that. I mean, those fans, that is the game they want to win. Same as the Chelsea and Arsenal fans, for that matter. It's the one they want to win most of all. So the atmosphere, I, I mean, uh, we've got to deal with that. But in a sense, we sort of had that to deal with on Sunday. And, and after that terrible early setback, we we did deal with it, so maybe that's a that that's a a, a, a reason to feel encouraged. Um, he did send us in to the to the other London derbies, in particular Arsenal and Palace, the away ones, it, with a very negative mindset. And I just hope, Chris, that he's learned his lesson. What do you think?
0: I mean, exactly. I mean, exactly that, Theo. To be fair, like I that Arsenal game was like it was so depressing. Yeah. It was so I'm sure you talked about it, Adam Item, but, you know, it was so depressing because, like, we just didn't look like we were bothered or we didn't look like we were were interested and we, you know, but we, like you say, we weren't set up for it necessarily either. So I agree with Adam. I think we just got to go out there and play because that's what we're good at. We've talked about this very much today. We've talked about the fact that we've got like a really great front four, you know, Endombele in that position can do great things with the football yeah and it's nice to watch and there aren't many players like him and all, and all of those kinds of things you mm. know we've got the best striker in the world what you know regardless of you know you can talk to me about Lewandowski if you want but I'm not having it um yeah. you know and so like why wouldn't you go out and play to those strengths exactly what we were saying uh, at the beginning there you know and that crossfield crossfield pass from uh from Hojbjerg or skip that kind of you know hits a full back and then we do something interesting why not Let, let's do that let's more yeah. of that please
3: is the argument then for not changing the team in Europe because do we want to build the confidence of that setup you know and let them win there and then you come into that game you know having built that over the last couple of games um because there's been a lot of change hasn't there so actually if we've got a good fix we've got a good 11 let them play again in Europe and then come to the West Ham game you know up for it on a I,
2: like... I, hear, I hear what you're saying, Hannah. It's just, I, I can see it in the third minute of injury time on Thursday, uh, Kane slips over on his ankle and he's out for, for six weeks. So yeah. Yeah. don't Bye. risk it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, that, these, these are the terrible dilemmas, the difficult decisions that, that managers face, aren't they? Because yeah. you, you can see both sides of the argument, that's for sure. Um, it's come. The time has come now where I force you Absolutely, I coerce you all into making actual predictions now, score predictions. So I'm going to start with you, Hannah. On, we're going to get, we're going to do the European game first, then we will come round to the West Ham game, the West Ham Cup final. Hannah, how do you see this, the scoreline against Vitesse Arnhem?
3: Okay, I'll go for a 3-1 Spurs. Love it. And then against West Ham. No, don't
1: tell me that yet. Oh, I'm doing that in a separate round. I'm doing okay. it in a separate round because I like to keep the suspense going <laughs> for the West Ham fans listening. So, Chris, how had you, do had, had you, had you see the game in the, the Europa?
0: I was going to go 3-1 Spurs, but seeing as Hannah's had that, I think I'm going to say 2-0. I don't 2-0. see why we can't go and keep a clean sheet.
1: Okay, like that. Adam?
2: Uh, I think we can't keep a clean sheet, so <laughs> 2 <much. laughs>
1: <laughs> Yeah. yeah. I'm gonna go three two. I think it's gonna be a it's gonna be a, a right old hurly burly, scary, all crazy, chaotic. But I think he'll play mostly the second eleven and we'll uh well of course last time out he had to bring the big guns on to, to get it all sorted, and he might have to do that. They might have to do a twenty minute cameo at the end. Okay, so now we go to the West Ham game. It's a big game for us. It's enormous for them. It is absolutely seismic. Uh Hannah.
3: Yeah, I think this one will be a bit of a hurly-burly. Um, I think, I want to say 2-1, but I think it's more likely to go 2-2.
1: Okay, okay, very measured. Uh, Chris?
0: I don't like predicting draws, because I just think, you know, if we're predicting, then we've got to like, there's got to be some kind of like okay. fun and jeopardy and all the rest of it in it. All so right. I, I will go with the 2-1.
1: Okay, to Tottenham Hotspur?
0: Oh, 100%. <laughs> <laughs> Adam 1 2
2: Yeah I'm I'm always low to do predictions it's the old Mark Mark Falco line uh, when he said uh, I don't make predictions and I never will um, <laughs> but I'll uh, I'll I've given the game away it's going to be a score goal <laughs> I think it will be 1-1 one, one.
1: one each. okay yeah. I'm going to go with uh I was going to say 2-1 Spurs but I'm going to say 3-1 Spurs it's going to be very tight, but we're going to get a, We're going to be hanging on at two one, and then get a third on the break towards the end. Just at the end there, that's what I'm going to say because I feel like our tails are up, and I think West Ham will really fancy it. But they, I don't. I think they might. We might catch them unawares. I think we might be clicking into some really serious form here. These are the sort of famous last words <laughs> I've been uttering for years on this show. I've probably ruined it. Still, didn't mind. Um, Okay, that's it. Thank you all so much for coming. Thank you, Adam. Thank you, Hannah. Thank you, Chris. Really appreciate it. Has anyone got anything they want to plug before I go? You've already plugged, Chris. Deadly silence,
0: yeah. <laughs> I've, done the, I've done the
3: plugging.
1: You've plugged for all of us. I think I mentioned my other podcast, Life Goals with the Lady. Yes.
3: I, yeah. I will um, be i will be writing a book at some point in the next 10 years so <laughs> look, out <for> it. <laughs>
1: Watch out, look out for that
2: everyone's on
3: it twitter <laughs> I will.
2: in which case I'll, I'll take the opportunity like the, the books that have done and like worked on with with martin cloak and doug cheeseman and others they're they most of them are available in the Spurs shop um the uh the lane like the the history of uh White Hart lane that's um that's going well and it'll be in the shops and, and also kind of um, the work we did with Steve Perriman as well. his he's autobiography, that'll be available as well.
1: I've got I've literally got all your books, Adam. Thank you very so much. I can Enjoy recommend them. All. I can recommend them all. <laughs> Thank you all so very much. Thanks for listening, listeners around the world. This is Dear Delaney in North London saying, a you Spurs.
2: If you want to advertise on or sponsor this show.
1: Check us out at playbackmedia.co.uk.
3: Sports Social Podcast Network.